Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at my bookie if you haven't already guys there's no better time than right now to go to mybookie.ag sign up for a brand new account and they're going to hook you up with a 50 percent bonus on top of whatever your first deposit is and all you have to do is use the promo code uga it's easy it's fast it's a no-brainer jump in on it today at mybookie.ag but all right guys i am your host tyler and today is the day that I live up to my promises from earlier this week, maybe even last week, and roll out the first of our series of spring practice primers designed to get you guys ready to rock and roll for spring practice, which kicks off in just two short weeks, guys, two weeks. We're actually less than two weeks away right now. It kicks off March 12th, and we will practice every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday through the month of March into April, culminating, of course, with G-Day, which will this year will be held on April 13th. We get to talk some actual college football today, guys, and there is literally nothing on earth that excites me more than talking college football, so I am pumped up for this. But first, before we get there, we're going to spend a lot of time on that today, but before we get to that, I do want to quickly let you guys know that as I kind of hinted at over the past couple of weeks, I have restarted our Glory UGA YouTube channel. After years of you guys asking, I finally did the research and figured out how to do it, taught myself how to do it all summer long. And uh, we kicked it off with a bang over the summer in July. Things were rolling. Things were going great. And then we got into the 2023 football season. And, you know, I produce four episodes a week of this podcast. And I put a lot into these episodes so that I can give you guys the very best content that I can possibly produce. There's a lot of research, a lot of tape watching, film watching, a lot of stuff goes into it behind the scenes. And to be quite honest, I kind of overestimated my abilities to produce that volume of content. So I was producing four episodes a week, writing for Dogs Daily, and I was trying to do the YouTube stuff. We did it for the first couple of weeks, but it's kind of like with the podcast. When I'm producing the YouTube content, 
I wanted it to be as good as it possibly could. And I know I was still new at it and it wasn't perfect, but I was trying to produce high level content for you guys. Over the years on this podcast, you know, we've built this brand talking hardcore Georgia sports, Georgia football, Georgia basketball, Georgia baseball, tennis, whatever, Georgia sports. And quite frankly, there is a standard that I hold myself to. I take this seriously. I, again, I want to produce the best content I possibly can for you guys. And if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to take the time to do it, damn it, I want it to be good. And I'm just not going to put out garbage. So when we got into 2023, the, the actual season, after about a week and a half, I mean, I was struggling the first week to keep up with the, with the volume of all that work and trying to produce all that content. Really, myself, I mean, Curtis was doing an episode a week, Charlie doing an episode a week, but all the behind the scenes stuff, the producing, editing, all that stuff, that that's me behind the scenes doing all that. So something had to give and if, it had to be the YouTube stuff that was the newest, some of the podcast was the focus, doing the writing, all that, because I enjoy writing, I love writing. And the way I was doing the YouTube stuff, it was just taking way too much time because it wasn't I was just sitting down in front of a camera in recording the recording the episodes, recording the videos, like I can do that. Recording the videos is not necessarily the hard part. It's all the stuff behind the scenes, you know, the editing, the the uploading of the videos, the graphics. The graphics actually took me a trillion hours. It took me so much time because I I'm not a graphic designer. Newsflash, don't know if you know that. Not a graphic designer, so it's another thing I had to teach myself. I'm not a natural at it, and um, I think I got pretty decent at it. But it just takes time. It just took time for me. So I didn't have time really to do the YouTube stuff during the season, at least the way I was doing it. So it yeah, it went dormant during the season. You guys know that it kind of just tailed off, and I apologize. I, I built it up and told you guys it would be great. I thought it was solid. I thought it was good when we were doing it. We did about eight videos. And then it just got too much, overwhelming. And I want to focus on the podcast because I've been doing this for now essentially 10 years, going into our 10th season doing it. And I've built this up and definitely didn't want the quality of this podcast to drop because I know there's a lot of you out there listening. And I appreciate each and every one of you. But I have had quite a few of you reach out, even during the season, the off season, and ask like, hey, what's up with the YouTube channel? We're going to get that going again. And the answer was for a while, I don't know. I, I would love to. But I don't know. I, I, I don't want to overpromise something and not be able to deliver because I, I just because of time restraints, really. Because I do work a full-time job and do all this. It's not like I'm just sitting here, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day. I don't have that much time to do it. So I do this all in my spare time. And as much as I love it, and I do, I love doing this, it can absolutely get a little overwhelming. And my stress level was at about a twenty-seven thousand uh about early September of, of last year. So so I was hesitant to make any more promises. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, absolutely it's going to be coming back. It was more like, yeah, I hope so. That's the plan. I want to, but I just got to figure out how to make it work with the time that I have and still make sure it's good content. And I think that I have figured out how to do that. So what I'm going to be doing, guys, on the YouTube stuff, I'm going to cut down the length of the videos. What I was really trying to do, the goal was, the original idea was, I guess I should say, was to actually be able to break down some film for you guys on the YouTube channel, which is something that I can't do on the podcast. I can explain things to you, and I've done that for almost 10 years now, and I'm proud of that work, but it's different if you can see it, right? So, I, and you guys have been asking for a long time, so I wanted to make that happen. And I, we did some good videos. I was proud of it. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed doing it. I really did, learning something new and putting some content out there that was different from the podcast. But again, it took a lot of time. So what I am going to do this time around is I am not going to hold myself to the expectation that every single video is going to be breaking down film because that's just not feasible for me, just to be quite honest with you. That's just, I can't do that right now. Now, if it takes off, then I don't know, we'll see what happens. But 
I'm still going to be doing film breakdowns, absolutely, but those take time, and I understand that now. So I can't be, you know, churning out three, four, five of those a week. You know, that's that's just not possible because I got to watch the film, and I got to pick out clips, and then I got to timestamp them, then I got to cut the clips, and got to put them into YouTube, edit it, and I got to voice over it, all that stuff. It just takes time. It just takes time. I will be doing them again. I will be doing those. That's really the impetus behind all of this, at least originally. But they're going to be, you know one a week, one every other week as I can get to it and just put together, again, quality video content for you guys. But that doesn't mean that's the only content you're going to get. I'm also going to be recording videos as much as I can, just shorter videos. Obviously, you get the long-form podcast here. On the on the YouTube channel, I think I'm toying around calling it just like Glory UGA Plus because that's what it is. It's, it's, it's an add-on to the podcast. There might be some things that I put on the YouTube, cha- YouTube channel that will be somewhat redundant to what we talk about here on the podcast, but I'm also going to, be going to be putting a lot of content on the YouTube channel that is not something that you're getting on the podcast. There's going to be a lot of Georgia baseball talk that I'm going to put on the YouTube channel. We'll do some of that here on the podcast, but I'm going to put that on the YouTube channel. We'll do some Georgia tennis talk on the YouTube channel. The reason I want to put those those sports that maybe aren't in the mainstream on the YouTube channel is because I know not everyone that listens is super into Georgia baseball and Georgia tennis and Georgia basketball. I know that a lot of you are, but I know that's also not everyone. Some some Georgia fans are just Georgia football fans, and that's cool. I get that. I respect that. So I want you guys to have the choice to pick on what you're listening to, and YouTube gives the option to do that, right? So it's like a four or five minute quick, quick, quick little video. You can click on it and say, oh yeah, Georgia baseball talk, let's do it. If you're not into it, cool, don't click on it. But we're going to have a lot of fun on the YouTube channel. Just do some different stuff that I, I don't do in the podcast, don't have time to talk about on the podcast or cover on the podcast. I was really toying around with the idea of doing like a daily Glory UGA YouTube video. So you have something every single day, a short form, three, four, five minute video. But I'm not going to promise that because, I again, I don't want to over-promise and under-deliver. I do not want to do that. I would love for that to be the case. That's a reach goal. I don't think that, I don't know if that's going to happen. But but what I can tell you is I'm going to have content on the YouTube channel multiple times a week. And I would sincerely appreciate it if you guys would watch the YouTube videos. That would be awesome. And that would make my the time I'm spending on it worth it. And then while you go to our YouTube channel, just go to Glory UGA YouTube, um, Glory UGA on YouTube to search for it. And if you would also like the videos, if you enjoy them, I hope you enjoy them. And subscribe. Subscribing is huge, guys. So, I mean, and that takes like half a second. You're just clicking on the little red button that says subscribe. And that is huge in helping our YouTube channel grow. You guys have been so, so, so good to us over the decade or so that we have done this podcast. And you guys know how much I appreciate it. I cannot, truly cannot thank you enough. But if you have it in you to also help support this new YouTube channel... That would be amazing. That would be amazing. So yes, watch the videos, like, subscribe, comment. Love to hear from you guys. I'm going to hope, I am going to, I don't hope to, I'm going to do some YouTube live videos. We did one of those last year and that was fun. We're going to do that again. I'll give you guys some more info when I'm going to roll those out. So a lot of fun stuff coming up on this YouTube channel and it'd be great if you guys would, um, would support the content. I really appreciate it. And of course, anytime you can help spread the word, that helps too. So yeah, I just wanted to put that out there, guys. I know I've gotten actually a lot of questions over the past couple of months about that. And I've been working on it behind the scenes, trying to put together how I'm going to be able to do this. And I, this is how it's going to work. This is how it's going to work. And I'm excited about it. And I, I hope that you are too. But okay, enough of that. I know that was probably not what you tuned in to listen to, but hey, I think it's, it's going to be worth it, right? We're going we're gonna to do some fun stuff on this YouTube channel. But now let's go ahead and get to our very first 
2024 Georgia Spring Practice Primer. And we're going to start today with the big uglies up front, the offensive line. I'm excited about this offensive line, guys. It's an interesting position. We have several veterans returning, some guys with extensive experience in our system, one guy in particular in Tate Rattledge, but we also have some new guys that we're going to be working in and also some guys with an opportunity to maybe work themselves into a starting role. There are a couple of spots that I think are locked down more or less, but there are also a few spots that are open. So let's let's take this position by position on the offensive line and break down who the contenders are going to be in these position battles. So let's start at left tackle. I believe that this is Ernest Green's job. I guess you could say Ernest Green's job to lose. Now, I was open in talking about Ernest Green last year, especially early in the year. He struggled, guys. He struggled early in the season, and that's and that's not abnormal. He was a first-year player. Yes, he was a redshirt freshman, but he wasn't a redshirt freshman in the truest sense of the word because he didn't spend his freshman season, his true freshman season, really working on the scout team, sharpening his game, getting a lot of reps. That's not what he spent his time doing because he was dealing with a pretty significant back injury that required surgery. So he couldn't practice really as much as obviously we wanted him to and he wanted to throughout his true freshman year. So he didn't have those reps, reps built in. Now, we know what kind of talent he was. We knew what kind of talent he was coming out of high school and the athleticism he brings to the table and the ceiling, the potential that he had. Has, and he earned that job at left tackle coming into the season. But there were certainly more than a few bumps in the road, especially early in the year. I mean, it was all throughout his game, guys. It was, it was in pass pro. It was in the run blocking game. His feet were stuck in concrete at times. And that's weird for a guy that is a really athletic left tackle. Uh, he was overextending himself. His fundamentals were just all over the place. He was falling off, guys. It was tough. His hand placement was very poor at times. It was, it was a tough go for him to open the season. But I do want to give Ernest Green a lot of credit. He really improved as the season went on. Well, I guess as you would expect, right? So a guy getting his first different playing time, the coaches stick with him through some of those bumps in the road, and he got better. That's what you want. That's what you're looking for. A guy that you know has high-level ability, you want to see him get better as a young football player. And we saw that from Ernest Green. So I'm very confident that Ernest Green is going to be the starter at left tackle. The question then becomes, what does it look like behind him? What is the two-deep? What does the three-deep look like? And this is where I want to go ahead and bring the right tackle position into the equation as well. Because I think these two positions are linked and they're going to go hand in hand. At right tackle, you have a two-man battle here, in my opinion. You have a battle between the veteran Xavier Trust, who's been a multi-year starter for us, started a ton of football games in his career. He is a, a COVID senior. And then there's sophomore, former five-star sophomore, Monroe Freeling, who got some playing time as the season progressed last year. I think those are the two guys battling it out for that right tackle spot. If I had to project it right now, based off of long-term potential and overall ability, I'm going to go with Monroe Freeling. And I know that seems somewhat strange to say because Xavier Trust is the guy who has played far more throughout his career and it's almost like why would Xavier Trust come back for another year if he's not going to start well that's a fair question he might think he's going to start he might think he has a great shot to start I just don't know if he's going to start now maybe the coach is giving the benefit of the doubt because he does have that experience I do think it might be a situation where Monroe Freeling has to just prove that he is just head and shoulders above better than Xavier Trust but I think that he's going to do that will that happen during spring practice. I don't know if it will fully happen where he takes that job, but if I had to project it by the time we get to week one against Clemson, 
in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I think that Monroe Freeling will be the guy to start at right tackle. It's certainly not out of the question that could be Xavier Trust. I mean, it's going to be a battle. But I don't believe Xavier Trust is a, is really a tackle. He's um, he's really a tweener, guys. I I don't think he has the footwork really to be a high level tackle. Where he he can he can function at tackle. He's done that for us. He can function. He can be okay. He can be fine. He can be solid. And that's usually good enough against a lot of the teams that we play. But you saw what happened when the Marius Mims went out in the SEC Championship game against Alabama with the speed rushers that they had. They feasted on Xavier Trust because it's just a mismatch for him, guys. He has value. There's things that he's good at, but defending speed rushers off the edge is not one of them. That is where he is deficient. And you know what you're going to have to be able to do if you want to win a national championship and beat the teams you would have to beat to win a national championship? You're going to have to be able to block speed rushers off the edge. You're going to have to be able to do it. And I'm just not convinced Xavier Trust can do it. I am far more confident in Monroe Freeling's ability to do so because he is just a more athletic player. He doesn't have the experience. That's the argument. It's like experience versus athleticism and talent. Like ceiling, really, is what it comes down to. And I don't know what way the coaches will lean. I can't sit here and tell you it's going to be Monroe Freeling. That is just who I would project to be the guy because I think he is going to be able to do the things that we need our right tackle to do. I believe he will be more effective in doing those things than Xavier Trust will. I base that off of more so what I've seen from Xavier Trust than what I've seen from Monroe Freeling. We have not seen as much of Monroe Freeling. Obviously, we saw him at times last year. I was impressed with what I saw from him. Obviously, I watched a lot of tape of his in high school, and he was a he was a a thin but athletic offensive lineman, offensive tackle in high school. Physically dominant because it's high school, and he's just bigger and stronger than everybody else. But he he wasn't big enough in high school to like play in the SEC. He had to come in and gain some weight, and he has done so. Give the guy credit; he has filled out his frame. I think he could probably add a little bit more weight and still be plenty athletic enough. But he's now got himself up to the three hundred range, three hundred five, three hundred ten range, and he's long too, which is not really something Xavier Trust is. Xavier Trust is not necessarily sawed off, but he does not have the length of Monroe Freeling, who is six seven about 305, 310 pounds down. He has great arm length. So he's got the arm length. He's got the footwork, the athleticism. He's just a better natural fit at tackle, in my opinion, than Xavier Truss is. Again, he's going to have to go out and prove that he's better than a guy that has a lot more experience than him, but I think that he will do that, okay? So I project at left tackle, we got Ernest Green, right tackle, Monroe Freeling. Could be wrong on Freeling, but that's what I'm going to go with right now. So what does that mean with for Xavier Truss? What is this guy going to do? Well, I think that he is going to be the utility man on this offensive line. We know that he has played a lot of guard for us. In fact, he's played guard more than he's played tackle for us. He started as a tackle, then there was there's an opening at guard, got some reps there, and he he won that starting job and started what about a year and a half for us there. And he's never been great at guard, but I think he's been more productive there than he has at tackle because I think it fits his skill set more. He's a bigger guy. I think if Xavier trusts anything, he's more of a mauler up front, big physical guy. That's He's actually good and athletic for a guard. He's just, I don't think, athletic enough to really play tackle at a high level for a national championship caliber team. So I think he's going to be the utility man. If somebody goes down at tackle, he's going to be the first guy off the bench, in my opinion. Even at guard. Now, the guards, we'll get to that in a minute here. That's interesting because you also have Micah Morris there. And I think Micah Morris is a better guard than Xavier Truss. So I do think Truss is going to be more of the utility man at, the, at tackle. And it would not shock me. It would not shock me at all. In fact, this might be the most likely outcome. It would not shock me to see some sort of a three-man rotation at tackle. 
like we saw back in, in 2022, right? We, we had Broderick Jones at left tackle, Warren McClendon at right tackle, and you got Marius Mims who entered the transfer portal, but we got him back, and it's like, okay, well, we need to play this guy. We want to keep him on roster. We know he's going to be the guy in 2023, so we've got to get this guy some reps. He's too good to keep off the field, so what do we do? We basically went with a three-man rotation there. So given that we've done that before under the current coaching staff with Kirby Smart and Stacey Searles, it's reasonable to believe that could very much be in the cards again this year. And like I said, I I think that might be the most likely outcome. But I do think that Trust will be the first guy off the bench and you have a rotation there. But I do think he's going to be a utility man. And look, for all the deficiencies he might have as a tackle... Like I said, he's he's a functional tackle, and he's played a lot of football for us, so he's a very viable piece to have on your offensive line to be able to fill a, a number of different roles. And I do think that his primary role will be as a as a tackle for us. But he's not going to go down without a fight. I know I'm kind of like just writing him off here, but he will not go down without a fight. There's a reason he came back. He didn't come back to sit on the bench. He came back to try to win a starting job and to make himself more attractive for the NFL. So he's going to come and fight, man. Monroe Freeling better be ready. And I think he will. I think he will. Again, my projection will be Monroe Freeling at right tackle and Ernest Green at left tackle. All right, guys, we're going to get to the other position on the offensive line here in just a moment. But first, let me remind you again about our wonderful friends at my bookie. We are now one-ish day away from March. It's late on February 28th. I know it's a leap year, so we technically have one more day in February. So it's essentially March. Y'all know what that means. It is the best time on the college basketball schedule. In fact, March is one of the best months in all of sports. Now, I know there's no football, so it can't make it the best month, but I think March is the best non football month out there because you have the conference tournaments, you have the NCAA tournament. March Madness is fantastic and you know you're going to be dialed in once it gets here. So go ahead and jump in on all the action and make your March Madness even more exciting this year by signing up for a brand new account at mybookie.ag. It's so simple, guys. Go to that site, mybookie.ag. It'll take you about a minute. Depends on how good you are with the computer. Minute and a half, two minutes, no more than that. So sign up at mybookie and when you sign up, there's going to be a spot for you to put in a promo code and use our code UGA and they're going to give you a 50% bonus on top of your first deposit. Guys, come on, take advantage of it. You don't want to let this go. I've been talking about it for months and guys, it's literally almost gone. You got about a month left, a month left to take advantage of this deal and hopefully we'll get it back again for football season, but there's no telling. Maybe, possibly, we'll find out. But we know we got it for another month, so jump in on it while you can. Again, mybookie.ag, promo code UGA. All right, guys, let's move over to the guard position. Let's go to left guard. So this was an interesting position last year. Speaking of Xavier Trust, maybe he factors in at left guard. Maybe, because he did start there in 2022, National Championship season. Opened the season last year, starting that position. There were some injuries, moved around to tackle a little bit, and never really got that guard spot back, because when he left the guard position, we moved Dylan Fairchild in there. Dylan was a guy that I'd been hearing a lot about all last offseason. Now, this guy was really making a move, really improving. The coaches really liked what they were seeing from him. Heard that all through spring. Heard it in fall camp. And I was anxious to see what he could do. And he got an opportunity. And kind of like Ernest Green, there were some early bumps in the road, as is expected. But man, he really stabilized his game as the season went on and raised his level of play to the point that I thought he was one of the better pass protectors on the entire team. And if you look at some of the metrics out there, it tends to back that up. I know pro football focus is hit or miss sometimes with their metrics, but it's at least a metric to look at here, right? So I always say with PFF, take it with a grain of salt, but it's something, okay? So Fairchild had an 86.8 pass blocking grade last season, which ranked fourth among power five guards. 
That's legit, guys. And I know, like, with, with PFF, it's like, okay, they're, how are you grading? They're, they aren't very transparent with how they compute their grades, which makes it kind of nebulous for me. I don't always fully trust it. But in this case, it really does match what I watched when I looked at Dylan Fairchild out there on the field. And sometimes the, I actually thought he'd be a, a better run blocker early on. But that wasn't the case. He was a better pass blocker right away. He was a good run blocker, physical guy. But sometimes, I like Ernest Groom get overextended and just fall off guys. But he really improved on that as the season went on. The Auburn game was terrible for him. I mean, it was he, uh, he was not good enough in the Auburn game. But he really, really bounced back from that game and was great for us. Great in pass pro, which I, I didn't know what to expect there. But he was fantastic. He was, again, better as a pass protector than he was as a run blocker. But he really improved as a run blocker as, as the season went on. Again, he has that physicality. He has that strength. He has a little nasty edge to him, which... I love in my offensive line, especially on the interior of an offensive line. So I feel pretty confident saying Dylan Fairchild is going to open the season and come out of spring practice, come out of fall camp eventually as the starter at left guard. Now, that's an interesting position because, yes, you do have Xavier Trust, who's played a lot of football at that spot, and maybe he finds a way to factor in there. I can't completely discount that possibility. But you also have Micah Morris, who was a big-time recruit himself back in the day, and he essentially split time with Fairchild at that left guard position. Really, what we saw as the season progressed, it was more or less a a three-man rotation at guard, kind of we had at tackle at times, where you had Dylan Fairchild, Tate Ratledge, and you had Micah Morris, and it was kind of just like moving the pieces around. Yes, with his experience, Tate Ratledge stayed on the field more than Fairchild and Morris did, but there was some rotating of him out of there as well. So that's probably going to happen again, but I do think there's a rotation at guard. It's going to be more than more than anything. It's going to be Fairchild and Morris at left guard. Now, the question does become... Can Morris unseat Dylan Fairchild? I think that's a really interesting dynamic to look at here because Micah Morris is highly talented. And there were certain games last year, the Auburn game, as I mentioned, being one of them, where I did think that he was better than Fairchild. Now, to be fair, there were certain games where I felt like Fairchild was better than Morris. They were both young players, and young players tend to be inconsistent at times. And we saw that with those guys at various times last season. So I don't want to completely just throw away the idea that Micah Morris could some way, somehow unseat Dylan Fairchild, and they still have a rotation, but it's Morris, not Fairchild, who opens as the starter at left guard to open the season. I, I wouldn't be necessarily shocked if that happens. I think it, it would be mildly surprising for me because Dylan Fairchild was that guy all last year. Oh, well, no, he didn't open the season and start, but once he got into that position, they were rotating. He was the guy that was starting those games at left guard, and, and we were taking Morris off the bench, and he was rotating, playing a lot of football for us. So I, I would lean towards that. I would default towards Fairchild being the starter at left guard and Morris being a utility guy coming off the bench, rotating and being, I mean, if you want to call him a co-starter, that's fine. I mean, technically that's a misnomer because you're not actually starting coaches. That's like coach speak. Coaches use that term and they, they want to like try to express that they feel equally about both players, but hey, you know, only one guy can start. It's all oh, their co-starters kind of way like to assuage the, the feelings, the ego, stroke the ego of the guy who's not starting, make them feel better about things. But hey, only one guy can start. So call him a co-star if you want. That's fine. Kirby might do that. But that's not going to be exactly how it works out. But it's going to be an interesting battle. It will be a battle. It will be a battle between Fairchild, Morris, and again, maybe Xavier Truss in there as well. I mean, there's other guys that are going to be involved in fighting for the battle. Bo Hughley might be a guy that's going to push a little bit there. Maybe some of the incoming freshmen. I I still always hesitate to expect anything out of the true freshmen, especially on the lines of scrimmage. So I'm hesitant to really throw out anything there. And I also still think you're 
remains to be seen what position some of these offensive linemen are going to play. A lot of them need to drop weight. I'm curious, okay, who can drop weight? How much weight do they drop? And we've got a number of them. we got a number of these early enrollee fresh offensive linemen. we got Marquise Easley. we got Nair Daniels. we got Daniel Calhoun from, from Walton High School here in the state of Georgia. Malachi Tolliver. So there's a number of these guys, and I think... Most of them have some degree of positional versatility where they could play guard, they could play tackle. It's going to be kind of like mixing and matching, finding the best fit, the best five, and you want to cross-train, all those kind of things. I don't know how much you want to cross-train these guys as freshmen, probably not all that much, but well, I guess you kind of throw a lot at them and see what they can retain, see what they can soak up. But I really don't expect the freshmen to factor in, especially right now in spring practice. Maybe they start to show what they can do a little bit and show some signs and make more of a move in fall camp, but I just don't know if any of these guys are the caliber right now to be able to step up and say, all right, I'm a dude, true freshman, spring practice, let's go, I'm going to be the guy. I just don't know if that's in the cards right now. But I do think it's going to be a battle between certainly Dylan Fairchild and Micah Morris. Another name I do want to throw out there that, that I've heard a little bit about over the past couple of weeks and months is Jamal Merriweather. I heard a little bit about him at the end of last season. And this is a guy, um, he's going he's to be a retro freshman, he was a freshman last year. That wasn't ready right off the bat, obviously. He was just, he needed some work and he needed to get his body in shape. It looks like he's done that. He's, he's, he's sitting about close to 300 pounds now, is what I'm being told. But he's a guy who's got some good length, 6'6. Six, six. I think he can play tackle. I think he can also play guard as well. I think it's going to be like more of a like, where's the opportunity kind of thing for him. But that's just a name to kind of put in your back pocket. I don't expect him to come out of spring practice as a starter, but also don't be surprised if you hear some talk, some chatter coming out of practice about this guy being someone that's making a little bit of a move and pressing coaches and trying to work himself into some sort of rotation and at least work himself into the two deep so maybe you're going into 2025 he could be one of those guys that's kind of a plug and play insert ready to be a starter kind of guy so I think that's the general outlook at left guard right now and when we get back from this last break we're going to dive into the right guard position and also the center position which obviously is the surefire spot where we're going to have a brand new starter that has never started a game for the University of Georgia at that position. But first, I want to remind you about our great friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, it's baseball season right now. I guess, sure, yeah, it's still basketball season, but I, I just, I can't even talk about the basketball team right now, to be honest with you. Can't talk about it. baseball. I can talk about 8-0. and Guys, it, it, it's starting to heat up on the baseball diamond right now. The guys are on fire. They look like a legitimate tournament team. How good are we going to be? That remains to be seen, but they look really good. And I know that if we keep winning, you're going to want to make it out to Foley Field to take in the game. And when you come out to Foley Field, you got to be dressed, right, man? You got to be geared up. And there's no better place to get the best George gear anywhere than Alumni Hall. Guys, they got so many options. I was talking about the jerseys. They got the, the t-shirts, polos. They got, I mean, it's still a little chilly at times. It's got the crew necks, the hoodies, all that stuff. Whatever you're looking for with Georgia baseball, they're going to have you cover the best selection of that gear anywhere. But of course, they have all the Georgia football gear. They got some Georgia basketball stuff left over. They just have the general Georgia stuff. So stop in today here inside the Epsom Shopping Center in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com if you're not in the Athens area for the same great selection. Because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldog shop. All right, guys, let's keep this thing going here. Let's go to the right guard position. This is the biggest no-brainer on the offensive line. It is Tate Ratledge. There's zero questions asked. Tate Ratledge is going to be the starter at right guard. I'm not even going to entertain the idea that somebody is going to unseat Tate Ratledge because it ain't happening, y'all. This man could have gone pro. Would he have been a first, second-round draft pick? I don't know. Not a first-round draft pick. Second round? Mm, maybe. Probably not, though. 
but he came back to start, and he is the he is the incumbent starter, a two-year incumbent starter. Let's not forget, go back to the 2021 season, open that season. I was being told straight up that he was the best offensive lineman on the team. We know he went down the first game of the year early in that, what, the first series of that game, and with a Liz Frank injury, which is brutal, and uh, he had to bounce back and bounce back. He was, a little, he was a little rusty to open the 2022 season, but really came on as that season progressed and was really, really good for us in the back half of that season. Last year, he, it wasn't, he wasn't as rusty to open the season, but he wasn't as good either. But again, same story. Got really, really, really good for us as the season progressed. And he excels a lot like Fairchild, but to a greater degree, he truly excels as a pass blocker. In pass pro, this guy is dominant. Like there is no one really that gets past this guy. Okay, I'm gonna go back to PFF again. Once once again, as I said earlier, PFF, take a grain of salt. It is what it is. But if you look at his numbers, his PFF grade was 87.4 as a pass blocker. That is the highest rated guard in the country, at least among the returning guards. And again, like Fairchild, the eye test certainly backs up those metrics, backs up those numbers. He's a fantastic athlete for an interior offensive lineman, has really good punch. He stays really balanced when he's in his pass pro, when he's in his pass set. He doesn't make a lot of mental busts. He understands what we're trying to do, the protections, all of those things. And he's experienced now. I mean, again, going into his third year as a starter, he is the guy. Zero questions asked there. I am far more interested in what does it look like behind him. Micah Morris, as we talked about earlier, I, I think is certainly going to factor in that into that battle as well. I mean, Micah Morris is the first guard off the bench, okay? Whether that's left guard, right guard, if it's a three-man rotation of guard, that's possible. I think we're going to try to keep Tate Rattledge on the field as much as possible would be my guess there. But it, maybe there's a three-man rotation, or if Tate, you know, knock on wood, God forbid, something happens to him, I mean, Michael Morris is going to be the first guy at the bench, would be my guess, based off what we saw last year. And also, of course, based off the talent that Michael Morris brings to the table. But maybe this is one of those positions where one of the young freshmen can work themselves not into that competition for the starting job, but maybe for that backup job behind Tate Rattledge. I'm open to that. I wouldn't expect it. I would caution you to not expect that. Again, we're talking about 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds potentially by that time, going against grown men in the trenches in the SEC. That's usually not a recipe for success. There are freaks like Caden Proctor who can make that possible. But even Caden Proctor, as much as he was hyped up last year, wasn't always good. He was fine. He was okay. But you don't want to be put into that position. But hey, if they're playing a backup role, I can, I'm can. i okay with that. I just don't know if we want to rely on these guys to start as true freshmen. I mean, I know Andrew Thomas did that for us at, at tackle years ago, but those guys are very few and far between. So maybe Calhoun, Daniels, Easley, Uini, maybe one of those guys, Tolliver, can factor in there. Again, I think it still remains to be seen what position they're going to play, and they still got to drop some way. Like all these guys, I mean, we're talking, I mean, Calhoun and Daniels are still around like 350, 360, Easley's around 330, 340, and they've dropped some weight is what I've been told, but they got to they gotta continue to get a little leaner before they can really seriously make a push for any sort of job, like even in the 2D. But, you know, you can't completely discount them there. Jamal Merriweather, as I talked about earlier, could be another guy that could factor in the competition here, maybe be in the 2D, potentially. Bo Hughley is another guy. Bo Hughley was a really talented player coming to high school, and it took some time for him as a freshman a lot like Merriweather, to kind of get into the swing of things. Now, is Hughley a guard? Is he a tackle? He's another guy that I think has positional versatility on the offensive line. I mean, he's long. I mean, he's 6'7", 290-ish right now, somewhere around there. 
But I, I don't I don't know if he's more of a tackler guard right now. I need to see more of him at the college level, kind of how his body has has been shaped as a, as a college football player. I know what he was in high school, but college is a little bit of a different game. But I did hear some good things from during bowl practice season. So maybe he's a guy that could start to factor in to that to that battle to be behind Tate Rattledge at, at right guard, maybe in the left guard as well. So we'll see. There's there's plenty of options, and that's the great thing, guys. We have so many talented players on the offensive line. I mean, there's there's so many guys that I mean, even with five spots along the offensive line, we don't have enough spots, enough reps for all these guys that probably deserve some sort of playing time. But again, Tate Rattledge is unquestionably the starter at that position at right guard, and it'll be a a, back, a battle to see who's going to be the backup. My my money would still be on Micah Morris being at that first guard off the bench, whether it's left guard, right guard, and then after that, we'll see. We'll see who might show up there. Maybe it's Hughley, maybe it's Merriweather, maybe it's one of the young freshmen. We'll see. All right, center, last spot here. Last spot on the offensive line, Cedric Van Pran is gone. Three-year starter, Cedric Van Pran, mainstay in the middle of our offensive line. Maybe the most valuable offensive line we had in that critical role at center where you're calling protections, all those things. Huge, huge, huge leader for this team. That is a gaping hole that we're going to have to try to replace. And I don't know if there is a replacing Cedric Van Pran, a guy that was that valuable to our team. But that also doesn't mean that we are going to completely fall off the face of the earth at that position either because we do have a guy that I believe is the heir apparent in Jared Wilson he was the backup there last year he got a lot of reps in the bowl game and I know we didn't see a ton of him there's a very small sample size even like entirely at the college level for Jared Wilson so I can't sit here with any sort of authority and tell you oh yeah Jared Wilson's gonna be a freaking stud I want to tell you that trust me I do but I can't do with authority because I haven't seen enough of him at the college level to say oh yeah I am that confident that he's gonna be that kind of guy and we're just not gonna skip any beat whatsoever at center I can't tell you that with authority what I can tell you is I know that he is the heir apparent he's the guy that we've been grooming for that spot our coaching staff is high on him, and I can also tell you when I saw him in glimpses, brief glimpses, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked the part. I thought he was athletic. I thought that he was able to get good movement. I thought he was solid in pass pro. Very small sample size, but I thought there were encouraging signs based off what I saw in that small sample size. So it's going to be Jared Wilson. I would be very, very surprised at this point if it was anyone other than Jared Wilson. So I think, again, it's another position where I think the, the intrigue lies in who is going to be backing up Jared Wilson. Who's going to be at the heir apparent to Jared Wilson when Jared Wilson leaves? Because Wilson's going to be a junior after this year. If he has a great year, maybe he goes pro. I think he's probably more of a guy that'll stay as a junior and senior. We'll see. Obviously, it depends on what kind of year he has. But behind him, the first guy that I would look at is Drew Bobo. This is a guy when we took him a couple years back, it was one of those things like, man, are we just taking this guy to do like Mike Bobo a solid and see a legacy guy just as Kirby's buddies with, with Bobo? Is it that kind of thing? Because he wasn't, he didn't look, his tape coming out of college, high school wasn't great. But, I mean, he had a body and, you know, maybe you can work with that and can develop this guy. Maybe he's going to be a hard worker, coach's son, that kind of thing. And from all accounts, I mean, he's been around for a while now, going to his redshirt sophomore year. He's actually really developed. And I heard some good things about him late last season, going into, into bowl season, bowl practices. And I think that he is actually probably going to end up being the backup center would be my guess right now. I can't tell you all that much about him as a player at the college level right now because we've seen 
very little of him. Again, I can just tell you what I've heard and what it looks like and where he was playing when he got opportunities last year. I think he is going to probably slot in as our backup center. That would be my guess. Could Micah Morris also play a little bit of center? Yeah, he could. He's gotten reps there. He's done some cross training there. How extensively, I don't know, but I know he's gotten some reps there. So I, it wouldn't shock me like if something happened to Jared Wilson, maybe like, man, like we got to get our best five on the field. And like Michael Morris is certainly one of our best five. He's played some center. Maybe that's not his primary position, but like we got to get our best players on the field. So let's put him there. Let's just see what happens. That wouldn't shock me, but I, I do think Bobo is probably going to be in the two deep right there at that center position. So I think that about covers the offensive line, guys. I think that's a good primer to get it started going into spring practice on how this unit might shape up. I think we covered just about everybody that thinks going to contend for a spot, at least in the two deep. Oh, okay, actually, now that I think about it, one guy that I didn't mention, Chad Lindbergh. This guy has been around, I think, for 48 years on our roster and has never really been a factor, but he's one of those guys that is a valuable backup because he has been in the in the program for so long. He knows what to do. He's got a lot of built-up reps at practice, scout team stuff, all that kind of stuff. I think he's more of a tackle. So, you know, if I think that we're going to have that three-man rotation to tackle, again, with Truss, with Green, and with Monroe Freeling. But if there's a fourth guy, maybe it is Chad Lindbergh this season. Again, I don't think that he would be the first guy off the bench. Maybe if like we had to bring a second guy off the bench to tackle, maybe it would be Chad Lindbergh. So I don't want to completely ignore him because he has been around for a long time. And he deserves, he deserves a little love sticking around as long as this guy has. But all right, guys, I think that's about everybody. If I miss somebody, let me know. It's possible. And I am more than happy to correct any omissions on the show next week. But all right, guys, I appreciate you for being here. Again, make sure you check out our Glory UGA YouTube channel. I've got a video up there right now about James Cole. going to put some basketball stuff up on there. I have a lot of content for you guys the rest of the offseason. So go watch those videos. Like and subscribe would be amazing. Help spread the word. I appreciate you guys. But have a fantastic weekend. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>